0: Welcome to the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh.
1: And I'm Alessandra. And in this podcast, we take topics from both health and fitness, as well as the business side of things.
0: We run two businesses, SD Evolution and Fit Coach Pro, and have a pretty unique perspective because we've had a lot of success, but we are not quite at the top of the food chain yet.
1: Our mission is to help break down these topics so you can learn in an easy-to-digest manner and apply them into your daily life.
0: Today's episode is going to be another Q&A day, answering your questions submitted via alessandra's instagram so let's just dive right in
1: all right first question how many days per week do you lift
0: do you even lift
1: (laughs) she was this person was asking me how many days per week i lift right now it's four it's been ranging from three to five over the last four years Um, obviously in different seasons that has changed but i think the more important question is you know, how do I figure out how many days per week I should be lifting? And by I, I mean you, the listener. Um, And you have to sort of just look at what's doable for your current season of life. What does your schedule look like? What what is What is the number of days that you can 100% get to the gym or get out in your garage or wherever you're lifting and go from there? You know, the best training program isn't necessarily – a five or six day per week program it's the one that best fits your life and the one that you can be most consistent with so I think how we ask these questions is important um, but ultimately you know everything we preach here with what we do with clients and what we preach to you guys listening is that this should really fit your life and it's okay if that changes you know every so often when when your life changes
0: I'm in the four to six range, just based on what we got going on. What else I'm doing? You um, know, right now I'm, for whatever reason, I feel a lot better since starting working with Danielle and, uh, you know, treating some of this gut stuff, getting some inflammation down, killing the parasites, yada yada. But I'm training five or six days a week. My program is a six day per week program. Um, life happens more often than not. It is six days per week. I am running close to. Or in between, I'll say five to ten miles per week, um, and this is just with some light boxing mixed in, some general activities, a walk, a hike, a, a bike. Um, it, typically, if my activity is this high, I'm usually only training four days a week. So that's kind of one thing you can kind of be on that sliding scale as well. Um, I wouldn't recommend for most to be training six days a week, doing all these things, unless you're just recovering great and, and doing great with that. But in regards to what your goals are and improving performance and improving aesthetics again you're not stuck with five or six days you can be on that sliding scale depends on what your goals are and what you're enjoying and and how you're doing physically
1: and also what you've been doing like what does your recent history look like if you're somebody who hasn't worked out at all in months or years you don't need to start with five or six days per week two days per week will probably yield some type of progress and you can build up from there all right two cold shower questions thoughts on cold shower post-workout not ideal not ideal if your goal is to gain muscle so mm-hmm. it depends what kind of workout you're talking about it probably would be more beneficial post endurance training right
0: mm-hmm.
1: um so if you're running or doing some type of endurance sure but not the most ideal after a lift sesh now before might be a better option correct
0: not right before and duration also matters so pertaining to cold showers specifically it's definitely better than actually doing a plunge. So I personally, if I'm working out first thing in the morning, I will do my cold shower early afternoon. Um, if I am if I have a couple hours, so let's say I'm hanging out with Kai, I don't wake up super early, um, so I'm lifting after I drop him off at school, I will do a cold shower as soon as I get up. That's 5.36, and then I'm lifting by 9 o'clock probably. So ideally, you want that three hours away from it, but um, I think even Andrew Huberman was talking about this recently, <laughs> first of all, saying a lot of the cold shower and plunger haters could probably use a cold shower based on their physiques. <laughs> um, but the thing being, they actually did this with, I forget where, but there was a study with college athletes um, where they actually performed better by doing just a quick you know, one-minute exposure, whether it was a quick plunge or a cold shower, again, ideally cold shower around performance. Um, but that actually increased their alertness which he felt, I forget how he connected it, basically saying like, they might be slacking in academics, so they're not the most focused individuals. And this kind of hyper focused them to the training, which was something they enjoyed anyway. Uh, Anyway, there is some potential benefit to enhancing your attention during training by doing a brief cold exposure prior to it. Um, But keep in mind too, you're you are creating vaso restriction. So you're restricting your veins and your capillaries, your, your vascular system, which isn't ideal bef- right before or right after training because you want those nutrients being able to get into uh, your muscles. So blood flow, nutrients being delivered. You don't really want to mess with that right around training.
1: Would you recommend cold showers when on your period? I don't think that the two, like one does not necessarily affect the other. I think that There can be potential benefits to helping your if you have a lot of symptoms with your period. I can see a cold shower potentially slightly helping with that, maybe in the short term, Um, but it's not going to hurt anything. There's no reason why you shouldn't do it. It's more so the other benefits that you're getting out of it. Difference between IIFYM if it fits your macros and flexible dieting.
0: In the most thought of sense, if if, if it fits your macros, is essentially eat anything as long as it fits your macros. If your breakfast, lunch, and dinner is Pop-Tarts and you can make that work for your carbs and you're chugging egg whites for your protein and you're eating butter for your fats, you can technically make those those numbers work. That's if it, if it fits your macros in the most extreme example and how we typically think of it.
1: And it will still result in whatever your goals are, fat loss or maintenance or whatever, but... You're not going to feel very good no. when you do that
0: no you're not flexible dieting is the concept of making things work within a certain threshold so it is the modified version of the extreme iifym basically you're not on a set meal plan you're eating primarily nutrient dense foods but you have the flexibility to fit those treats in when you see fit
1: that's more so the approach that we adapt. I don't like to label what we do really anymore, but there's no restrictions as far as what foods that we eat. We eat things that we enjoy, make us feel good in our whole nutrient sources most of the time, and then we still fit in things like ice cream. Josh just got some lovely cupcakes for Valentine's Day. Those things are not ruining our nutrition or ruining our diet. It's just part of our life, and it's more so a mindful approach, you know, it's understanding that we don't have, to, I, f- I feel like when you restrict so hard, it's like these things can sort of then make you go overboard if you tell yourself you can't have them, so everything in moderation, um, but you're going to feel your best when you're consuming mostly whole nutrient-dense food sources. I
0: will say for myself personally, the treats, the cupcakes, the ice cream is now very few and far between. So this is not a daily basis. It's not a semi-daily basis. It's like a once a week typically, if that. And I have been feeling stellar because of that. So for as much preaching as we do, as you can make things fit, absolutely. If you feel good, continue with that. Cool, fantastic. But I know for... A fact in my personal experience, I feel a thousand times better by limiting all of that processed bullshit. Even the typical foods that we're eating, just, you know, depending on the types of bread that you're getting and if you're eating cereal and this and that, we already eat so much processed shit um, that even before you get to the sweets and the treats, like you've already, in all likelihood, met your added sugars threshold for the day before you've even gotten to, to dessert. Um, so that's why, you know, myself, why I'm enjoying getting into cooking for the first time in my life is making whole foods and utilizing whole food ingredients to create delicious foods, my body is thanking me 10 times over since that's been the case. And then I don't have these cravings to go have ice cream and cupcakes and yada, yada, yada. If it's a special occasion, a la Valentine's Day, absolutely. We'll embrace it. We'll have fun with Kai. We might even make some fun treats, whatever. It's just part of the experience. But that is no longer a staple. It's not part of my regular routine. And again, my body just feels so much better.
1: I agree. Like thinking back to even us, like when I was, I'll compare this pregnancy to the last pregnancy. Actually, we kind of touched on this in our pregnancy episode. Um, but with Kai, like my first trimester, I feel like I really leaned into the, Oh, I'm pregnant mindset, um, for that first trimester. And it's just, not that I used it as an excuse to eat those things because like I definitely had days where I just did not want to eat protein. I don't think I ate <laughs> really any protein at all for the first trimester with him, um, but this time I really just have stayed really close to the foods and meals that I normally eat not pregnant, and I think it's really interesting because I've overall felt very similar to how I felt with Kai, but being that I've gone through this before, being just being on the journey that we've been on in the last few years like leaning even more so into the whole food sources not that I wasn't before with Kai but it's just been extra I feel like the last few years for us like we've really have taken a deep dive into wellness and health in general um but it's just interesting because I just I feel so much better and have noticeably more energy on the days where I'm eating more of my normal things and then there have been days where I'm craving mac and cheese or like just more of that processed stuff and it's like immediate just want to take a nap don't feel good not feeling my best so it's not a coincidence um but it's just interesting too for me to compare this pregnancy versus being pregnant with Kai and how much that has affected things too
0: I'll also say there's a conversation we had when you were pregnant with Kai um about this exact thing like we were going over like my gut stuff but also the fact that you grew up having ice cream every night and that was your special treat and my my argument was i know how i feel and i know what happens with my body when that is like literally a daily regular like my body just becomes so inflamed my gut hates me and kai has my genetics so we had a a bit of a heated argument going through like hey you know they're kids they should enjoy these special things and yada yada and my argument was yeah that's fine um just not every single night like this has to be a special occasion so I think at this point we've both kind of come around to that idea where first of all he behaves better he's more focused <laughs> it's
1: crazy how much better he behaves when he's
0: eating like whole foods it's and nutrient dense foods and we're cutting out the sugar and I have to beat our parents back with a stick because they, they show parents. they show love <laughs> via treats and I'm like Get this out of here. He's going right in the garbage can. No, he's not having that piece of cake. Like, And this sounds like just listening to it. My God, this guy hates sugar. He's a Nazi to his kids. Kai is very happy and we make fun treats.
1: We'll do like... And he does have snacks. Like we get certain things from Costco and like the grocery store where they have sugar in them. We're not like anti-sugar people. You guys know that. But it is really just amazing to see how much his nutrition and sleep... And just getting outside, Activities, and all of the things we talk about impact his mood, his behavior as a three and a half year old.
0: And it's just three reasons I kind of started on this is we've normalized the the sugar expo. I'm gonna call it sugar exposure. We've normalized this excess sugar and processed shit exposure for our kids. Hey, as long as they're eating, it's fine. They're gonna be healthy. Well, first of all, they're not because our kids are growing up obese. Most of our country is obese, and we're just setting them up setting them up for these comorbidities down the line because we're not taking it seriously. We're waiting until we're 14, 15, 16, 25 years old and unhealthy and overweight and sluggish and just not feeling good to start addressing these things. But when in reality, if we stop making this the norm that the piece of cake and the ice cream and this and that after dinner every single night or after every single meal to coax our kids to eat the actual meal and the nutrients, hey, you can have this treat when you're done, we can create a better foundation ourselves for our families for our kids for the future we have made it fun to eat quality things that taste good so i just talk about myself cooking as far as replacing his desserts because it's still nice to have a treat and watch something on the couch after dinner and just hang out as a family we do frozen fruit or we do cherries he had or a we bowl of cherries
1: as his dessert last night
0: loved it like these are like we think ice cream is so fun well so are sweet cherries and berries and strawberry like the whole deal
1: cherries are fun because of how we use the cherry pitter to like take the pits out sticks
0: sticks them on his fingers and says daddy look at this and he waves with a bunch of cherries on his fingers
1: so i think the point josh is trying to make here is you dictate and you can set your kid up for success based on how you approach these topics and based on how you present their food and nutrition to them i think that's really important from a young age and Again, we are not restricting things with him. He is still having plenty of fun things. But on a daily basis, we're taking everything, all of these habits, these things we talk about with you guys and embracing them and helping him understand the importance of them too.
0: Take the time to make normal foods taste good. We did a little thing. It tastes like the inside of a pie without a crust. It was strawberries, blackberries, and raspberries. We threw some ghee and a little bit of honey in that and a sprinkle of cinnamon. Stir that up. It creates literally the inside of a pie. Throw that on some light cool whip or eat it by itself. We threw it on pancakes the next morning. It tastes like a dessert, but it's packed with nutrients and antioxidants and it's not processed sugar garbage. Like It's just things we can do to normalize the good stuff that we completely overlook and we demonize this side of things more than we demonize... Pounding sugar and all the negative habits that we have. So trying to change the norm, trying to do right by our kids.
1: All right. That was a little bit of a tangent, but a really good one. Um, Next question. As a busy mom, I can get to the gym three times per week. What would the best split be? If you're going to the gym three times per week, you're going to probably benefit the most from doing a full body split. So this is how I have our move program set up in the app, which is three times per week you can still make amazing progress on three times per week. A lot of our clients are on three times per week. And it just, if that's what fits your life right now, the most important thing is I think full body trumps more of like an upper lower split when it comes to three days per week because... You could also do
0: upper lower total.
1: You could, but I think full body in maximizing your time, especially if you only have a short amount of time to get those three full body or those three days in, um, you're going to be able to hit those muscle groups three times that week instead of just one or two.
0: Yeah. And if, as long as you're optimizing volume, so if you have the time to do enough sets is, is the biggest thing. So optimal three days alone will be perfectly fine to really optimize it. Can you get four sets in per, per muscle on those four? Can you, or can you work up to that essentially? So you're still getting 12 sets per muscle. Um, throughout the week and there's nothing wrong with making those three total body sessions
1: And if that was confusing to you and you're like, what do you mean sets per muscle? I don't know how to program go Download the SD method app and use the move program Oh, we just talked about this. So aura ring shows minimal recovery. Do you still work out? So we just answered We just talked about this question in our last podcast if you missed the last one It's all about the aura ring and other apps that we use um But to answer it again here, it depends. I would not let the aura completely dictate what you do or don't do. It's definitely, it's data, right? So everything that we track when it comes to nutrition, your macros, your biofeedback, this is all data that we can use to then make... A more informed decision on what we're doing that day but listen to your body I mean if your body if your aura ring says your score is like at a 60 or 70 but overall you feel pretty decent maybe you get in your workout or maybe you adjust your workout and drop volume a little bit Um, so it depends but I would say don't like completely let the aura ring dictate what you do there.
0: No, if you didn't listen to the last episode, definitely dive into that, but this is something I, I knew I wasn't the only person and I've talked to other people who, who fall into the same trap. I would fall into that, but I've realized I have to look into why the readiness score is lower. If it's lower because you know body temp might be up higher or there's something else that actually shows recovery might be off, then consider how you really feel. If you feel great, then maybe the ring is just off a little bit, but if you feel like you might be a little off and the ring affirms that, maybe take the day off. If you feel good and your score is significantly lower due to you know, uh, volume, so checking out that volume, the activity levels from previous day, um, training frequency, if those are things negatively impacting your score and you still feel really good, have at it.
1: Do you need to bulk in order to gain muscle?
0: That is the definition of a bulk.
1: Yeah, but I feel like... For a lot of people, like let's say we have someone who never has followed a progressive overload based program before and just did random workouts and they're just starting to follow one and, they're, body at, and they're at maintenance, then you can gain muscle mass. So You're it, talking about a body recount? Yeah, it depends. I think most people probably don't need to start with a bulk.
0: Uh, don't say most. Most people. People might that are listening to this might already be working out and that is not necessarily well, it feasible. Depends.
1: It depends. It really does depend on what you're doing. Um,
0: Theoretically, you could do this at maintenance as well where you are eating at maintenance calories, getting insufficient protein, and following progressively overloading programming so you're getting stronger at a similar body weight and you're gaining and losing fat at the same time. For most people listening to this podcast, you probably have to be in a bulk because you've probably been lifting for a little while. You've probably been following some nutritional protocols. Um, so in order to gain muscle, you're going to have to gain some weight.
1: Let's also define that a bulk does not mean you're just going out and stuffing your face all day every day.
0: No, it's a slight caloric surplus. A
1: slight surplus. So again, what that looks like for you, it depends, but slightly eating more calories than your body needs to maintain is going to help you gain some more muscle.
0: In a totally new strategy that I have never implemented for even this long of a period of time I am intuitively bulking right now. I'm gaining probably a pound a month, very slowly. I'm trying to stay as lean as possible so I can do a quick cut, probably in the middle of summer. Oh great, Um, while
1: I'm at my largest, you're going to be shredded.
0: I'm not going to be (laughs) shredded, I'm not trying to get shredded shredded. But a slight, like I've always done it, I've tried to gain a pound a week and at my training history, like the level I've been at, I put on... And most people will put on a decent amount of fat, which is fine. It is the most efficient way to, to add muscle. So I'm not adding muscle as fast as I could be. So there's different levels to this. Um, I would like to stay leaner because I don't want to cut much and I don't mind how I look at this lean level. So if I can just stay here and get a little bigger over time, like I might not even have to cut at all. But to be efficient in bulking and to gain as much muscle and maximize that capacity, you're going to have to put on a bit more fat um, in the process. So just a couple more caveats to that.
1: What is the ballpark pricing for one on one coaching? So, I first want to say the reason why we don't have pricing listed on the website and why we don't just have anybody sign up whenever is because it is really important to us that you guys understand number one, what you're getting from coaching with us, which is different than a lot of other coaching processes out there. But number two, we just want to make sure it's the best fit on both ends. Not everybody is a good fit to work with us. So, it's really important. For us to, number one, get some more information about you through the application. And then we schedule a free call with Josh and I from there just to chat with you, let you know what we offer. And from there, you can make an informed decision about if you want to sign up or not. We don't ask you for your credit card over the phone or anything like that. Um, So that's why we don't have it on the website. So I encourage you to to sign up for a call if this is of interest to you um but do you want to share the range of what general
0: ballpark is 150 to 500 per month
1: and we have different membership options within that
0: uh, but just keep in mind you get what you pay for in regards to coaching which is why We don't even call ourselves a health coaching company anymore. We are a wellness company because health coaching has been watered down. It's been tainted. I've actually said this on our last few discovery calls with prospective clients is, yeah, don't whatever experience you had, we are not that type of company. We are basically a personal online course. We're learning about you, teaching you about yourself. Um, It's an investment in your overall health and your long-term health. We're teaching you how to do this now and in the long term. And it's not just here's your three, six, nine, 12 month program where you're gonna follow this, see decent results and then fall back to where you started because you're not sure what to do next. This is an educational experience. You get what you pay for. Those are the different levels and uh, there's just options based on what you're trying to put into it.
1: All right, last handful of questions here. What to do when tracking macros is triggering? So I think it's important to ask you why it is triggering. It's probably because if I had to guess, um, and this is just based on other people going through the same process, it's because you approached it in a way that was triggering before. So a lot, again, going back to coaching, going back to implementing macros as a tool, a lot of coaches do not educate on macros as a tool. They use it as the end-all be-all to getting their clients to see progress. And it's not the only way to, to see progress when it comes to fat loss, muscle gain or maintenance or just living an overall healthier lifestyle. So there are other methods you can implement there and know that that's something that we do offer with coaching. Um, but I think it's important to have the right perspective when it comes to tracking macros. When you utilize it as a tool and don't have that all or nothing mindset with it, it makes it that much more enjoyable and you've, you kind of just... The way we use it is to educate you on the foods that you're eating, on how to build your plate properly, making sure you're eating balanced meals, making, making sure you're eating enough of the right things. So when you approach it in that way, it's much more like welcoming in my opinion and isn't so rigid and strict.
0: This is the Mr. Miyagi shit, wax on, wax off. We're teaching you how to do things in the long-term by doing something right now that isn't the longest-term plan. You are subconsciously understanding what portion sizes look like, what foods make you feel the best. You're being more aware right now, so you can, again, do this more on cruise control down the road.
1: All right, what, oops, I skipped one. Fastest way to build your immunity back up?
0: Eat high-quality, nutrient-dense whole foods and limit the processed bullshit
1: go outside stare at the sun go in the sunshine breathe fresh air stop being Move your sedentary body all day
0: walk walk walk
1: all of the things that we talk about on the podcast and in the app what is your view on salt there you go this is something you're passionate about lately
0: i wouldn't call it passionate well I
1: mean, you've been talking about I've it i've awakened a lot.
0: to the idea of it um so it depends on on you and your personal situation your personal history some people I mean, they say you're not really as affected by salt intake as previously thought. I would say that some people are; um, those who have high blood pressure and you know can see the impact of salt and high sodium diets. I think that probably has more to do with the foods that you're consuming that involve the higher sodium. Yes. Um, for the majority of the population, we have been limiting salt unnecessarily um, and actually to a negative effect. Uh, long-term health impacts things like uh, dementia things like Alzheimer's sodium is very important for uh, getting your nerves to fire correctly that works with your mind that works with your muscles that is something that if we are not getting enough of it especially if we're very active or sweating we're losing those electrolytes through sweat and activity if we're not replenishing those it's it's not good these are these are minerals that are necessary for our bodies to function properly so I have personally limited it um, Significantly, we have talked to clients about, you know, keeping it under, you know, the ADA recommendation, ADA guidelines, um, American Heart Association guidelines, focusing on what has been deemed optimal, which we have found yet again, to the government incorrect. got back, well, the government got backwards, uh, our, our recommendations through these government-sponsored agencies. Uh, and I don't even think that they've really pivoted yet because I've discussed this with my doctor <laughs> Well, I'm just gonna chuckle at that because I said that out loud. Discuss <laughs> this with my my doctor, quote unquote. Um, yeah, so it, the the research is coming out that we may have had this a bit backwards. That doesn't mean go pound salt, but uh,
1: if you do, if you're eating mostly whole food sources, you're probably not taking in enough sodium. So. A supplement may be beneficial for you to take. You can simply just start salting your food. Um, don't forget
0: about your potassium, magnesium as well. So right, your bananas, these, kiwis. These dark electrolytes leafy are important.
1: Um, we both recently started using Element, um, which some,
0: actually hurt our stomachs with oh the my full gosh. packet.
1: So, what? I don't know if it was just like an introduction phase <laughs> that was. Our bodies were just like, whoa, this is a lot because we just were so under those electrolytes but we both would have one packet and just like terrible stomach cramps and digestive issues so I stopped for a little bit and then recently now that I'm like coming out of the first trimester and feeling a little bit better this salt intake is also very important during pregnancy it has been shown to be very beneficial so i've been taking it again and i'm totally fine with my one packet per day now just randomly so i don't know if it was just like my body needed that adjustment period to it or not but i'm it's not has not happened since i'm
0: taking two or three packets a day but i'm only taking them a half a packet at a time
1: so i do the full packet at once now and i'm fine so you can split it up you can try a half a packet um, we really like them. I think they taste good. They're definitely, it's
0: like a salty Gatorade.
1: They're very salty. Um, but I think it, it's really nice to wake up and just, it's been making me drink more water in the morning, which has been really nice too. I
0: will say like there are days when I wake up and I will train fasted because I'll just wake up. I'll hit my, um, what does that thing? What's that percussion massager called?
1: Theragun.
0: Theragun. I'll hit that while I sip on those and then I'll sip that throughout my workout. And my performance has been really, really good. Like I'm, training as hard as I would on like a full stomach um, digested obviously but just if you want to look up the effects of sodium on performance it is another stellar benefit
1: not sponsored by the way we've paid nope. for those with our own dollars I'm not even an affiliate um, the importance of tempo when lifting it's very important
0: eccentric portion of each lift that would be The lowering of a press or the releasing back up. The
1: downward motion.
0: Well, not necessarily. It would be the releasing back up of like a pull down. Um, The non-concentric is you are performing more force than the weight. So you are moving the weight. Returning to the starting position is the eccentric, you are actually breaking down the muscle more during that phase. So if you are bouncing reps, if you are not controlling reps, if you are cheating reps from the start, there is a place for cheat reps, but it is not during the majority of your set. Um, You're cheating yourself of a ton of progress. So that's arguably the most important part of each rep. So you are better off slowing things down, focusing on tempo, focusing on control. And uh, doing fewer reps, increasing the quality, decreasing the quantity um, by utilizing tempo correctly.
1: I think as coaches, that's definitely one of the main things that we've seen people do incorrectly is just flying through the workouts, flying through these movements. No tension or minimal tension really on your muscles and it's holding you back. So if you just take the time to slow things down majorly and it's going to feel really weird at first if you're used to going fast and that's very common for women doing like these fitness classes and you know all the hit stuff you're used to just go 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 get it done as fast as possible that's not the case if you want to build muscle mass um so and get stronger so definitely focus on it it's definitely important that's why I, I include tempo for our build and move programs just because I know most of you guys are not paying attention to doing that yourself um but cannot hurt to slow things down. Is a deficit created by eating less or moving more? Both. Both. You're
0: doing this primarily through diet, but the more you're moving, the more you can consume.
1: And we say primarily through diet just because when you think about burn, well, when you think about burning calories, obviously we know calories burned on a device are not accurate, but a lot of people track that. If you think about how long it takes you to burn 300 calories on a treadmill. It's a pretty significant amount of time. It's, for most people, a lot easier to just not eat those 300 calories. Um, so that's why we focus on nutrition as the primary mover here. And then, you know, you can supplement in extra cardio or extra movement to burn a little bit more. Last question. I get very little sleep due to baby. How to know if I should lift, walk, or get to rest? It's going to depend. I think it this kind of circles back to the aura ring question. Um you kind of have to weigh everything out. So, you know, if you're if you're paying attention to your biofeedback and kind of going by how you feel, what are you up for that day? Can you get in a decent lift? Do you have time to get in a decent lift? If not, a walk is better than nothing in most cases. Um and just make sure you're taking at least a couple rest days per week or a few rest days per week, depending on how little your baby is, of course. So again, it depends on a lot of factors here, but I think you sort of have to just weigh out the pros and cons and weigh out what your biofeedback looks like.
0: If you are coming home with a newborn, you probably want to take more rest days, prioritize movements. Even if you go back to that two or three total body sessions a week during that very difficult period. If you're up every two hours and you're only getting, if you're only falling asleep and you're only sleeping through four, maybe five hours a night, slash back on an overall uh, frequency. And then if you have a little help on the weekends, maybe train those two days and then one day during the week that you're feeling really good. So there's different levels that's going to evolve. If you've trained four or five, six days per week your entire life, you're not stuck with that life ebbs and flows and your program can also ebb and flow so listen to your body it's temporary just prioritize recovery and biofeedback and continue moving your body continue eating well this doesn't mean that you're throwing you know your habits to the wayside this is what we're talking about in regards to you know clients coming to us and we're explaining things are going to change you're not always going to be tracking you're not always going to be training the same way you're not always going to be fully dialed in and focused on your goals keeping those underlying principles and concepts in place during these times are what keep you feeling sane, keep you feeling healthy, and keep your body on point, on track as well as you can be. So you can eat well, you can move your body, you can take walks with the baby, you can train a little bit less, just go for those shorter, efficient workouts while prioritizing recovery for this difficult period.
1: All right, guys, that wraps up today's... I hope that you enjoyed it i will post another question box on instagram soon for next week so make sure you're paying attention to stories there if you do have a question or feel free to just slide in either josh's or my dms and we can always add your questions to the list but thank you for tuning in and we will catch you in the next one where can they find you i'm at alessandra skutnik
0: i'm at josh skutnik
1: see you later